0: Are you in the extend Marcelo Ozuna or just be happy you got the best year of his career camp at this point? I want
1: to extend him. Seeing him was like a breath of fresh air for me. Uh, he was an exciting player. I mean, he fits so well with the guys that we already have in the clubhouse. And to think that that chemistry will not be there. It's really sad for me. And I like the whole mix it up thing, the whole selfie thing. <laughs> I wanted to see that. That made baseball fun to me all last season and I really hope they comes back. However, it's not up to my hopes and dreams, right? It's up to them getting the DH back, which I don't understand at this point. Why why not approve it?
0: It's very much a bargaining chip right now uh with the union, I think. My the theory going around baseball Twitter is that ownership really wants to keep the expanded playoffs from last year because they get more TV revenue that way. Mm-hmm. And so this is their kind of hammer to the players union of, hey, you like all those extra DH jobs we got you last year? Well, if you want those, then you give us that extra round. And I certainly am with a lot of people, you know, I don't want to see you Darvish shit ever again, obviously. <laughs> but for me, if it keeps the playoffs the way they were before last year, and I already think that that's, too too many teams as it is. I just want one wild card for each league. I think that's perfect. Right. I'm willing to say, yeah let's strap in for another year of John Lester swinging the bat and <laughs> exactly. occasionally going kind of walk-off sacrifice bunt, but he, but yeah, he, I mean, in terms of, you know, making players like Ozuna or with the Cubs last year, uh yeah. occasionally spelling Schwarber, although he's now gone with the Cubs unfortunately, mm-hmm. but But, yeah, I mean, when you've got that extra bat and you need that spot to fill it, and the Braves, with their lineup being as top-heavy as it is, uh, the more guys you can get to to lengthen it like Ozuna, the better it goes. I I completely understand why you'd want the DH.
1: And I'm trying to think right now who would replace him right now, currently on the roster, as a DH.
0: I mean... (laughs) Yeah, my presumption, my, my guess is that they would... To go out and sign somebody maybe to like a similar one-year deal. That's they seem to like doing that. If you remember Josh Donaldson from a couple years ago, yes. and then it was in the last year. So if they seem to like taking the chances in, on the guys who want to prove it contract, and you know, those tend to work out at least a fair amount of the time. So I don't really blame them for that. And it doesn't lock them in to decline years. That's true. So I would assume that if Ozuna that if the DH comes back and Ozuna gets a multi-year somewhere else then maybe they'd offer, you know, Schwarber even a prove it contract since he's coming off such a down year. And even though that was a small sample.
1: And, you know, what's interesting about baseball free agency, it is so much slower when compared to other sports. So, like, you're just waiting. Like, we signed all these pictures that Braves have so far. And I'm like now I want to hear about Ozuna. Every day I'm looking. Do we have Ozuna news? Do we have Ozuna news? And nothing's coming up about it. So is Liberty Media going to really spend some coins? (laughs) Or are we just going to roll into this season and just as is? Now, I do have to say they have earned my respect to say that they know what they're doing the past two seasons. But I think we need to get a few more pieces to get over that hump because uh, we're, we're right there. We're right there.
0: Yeah, your window is wide open right now, especially with the young core and now the young core that's tied up. With mm-hmm. Albie's and Ozu- and Ozuna, and f- even Freddie Freeman still got a yeah. couple of years on his deal left. So I mean, that is certainly as good a trio as you can build around, probably anywhere in the game at this point. Exactly. And so, yeah, you have gotta at this point take every shot you can get. And with their hope, I I assume. With uh, is it Soroka that they're going to be getting back healthy next year? Yes, yes. So him and Freed—that's already you got a pretty good one-two punch off the top, and then mm-hmm. an Ian Anderson develops along the way that he was in the postseason. Yeah, this—I mean, do what only <laughs> the White Sox appear to be doing right now, and like actually take advantage of the window that's opening because no one we, else in baseball is.
1: There we go. And, huh. and this is—I just want them to bring in somebody, but actually, I know the one-year deals have been working. But let's make a commitment to keep somebody here and to show, I think it shows future free agents, like we're just not going to just use you and be done with you. We're not going to one night stand you. So...
0: (laughs) We will we will not be singing every morning there's a heartache hanging from the corner of your four post bed to go there way we do old school for this discussion. <laughs> I think why am I quoting Sugar Ray? I didn't even like that one that was new.
1: You know what? I will listen to that song just because no, you said it. Okay? Don't
0: don't. <laughs> Honestly. It, it I, I heard one night stand and it was the first thing that popped into my head and sometimes <laughs> You shouldn't go with your improv instincts. That's the lesson you learned from this, D-Gill. Hey, you know what? I
1: love it. You like it? I love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's let's bridge into the show open since I brought it to a screeching halt with that reference. Uh, This (laughs) is the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsports Baseball Podcast, episode number 54 of Three Strikes You're Out. And I was trying hard to find any player other than this, but man, I couldn't. So this is... The Goose Gossage episode of Three Strikes You're Out. So, nerds! <laughs> I love it. Uh, my name is Ken Schultz, contributing writer to Outsports Baseball Prospectus and self described baseball nerd that Goose Gossage would loathe. The other voice you are hearing is a familiar voice on the Outsports Podcast Network every Tuesday with the excellent show, The Game Day Tea, such as this week uh, when he hosted out soccer player Anton Heisen for a really fascinating discussion. D. Gill is joining us here on Three Straight Drugs hey, to talk a little Atlanta Bravos. D. Gill, thank you for being here, man.
1: No problem. Thank you for having me. I've been wanting to talk about this subject for a while and somebody has finally asked me because I got stuff to say.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when when you put out an episode right at, at the end of October called Bad Sports Relationships mm. and all I could think of was, you know, even counting the 2016 greatest World Series of all time, I feel you. Yeah, been there a few mm-hmm. times. Uh, so did it, did it resonate
1: refer- with your soul, Ken? Did it resonate with your soul? Oh,
0: God. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. Like, I felt that from, from my, the core of my being, from mm-hmm. from the broken 24-year-old at the end <laughs> of game six of the 2003 NLCS who decided, I don't know how to respond to what just happened in front of me. Mm-hmm. I need to cry and spent the next five mm-hmm. minutes sobbing on my dad's shoulders while everybody filed out of Wrigley Field. Yes. Yeah, wow. bad sports hmm. relationships resonated a little bit.
1: So so we, yeah. we're we're on, we're on par with each other. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, after after the 3-1 lead disappeared in the NLCS this year, uh, I guess a couple months later, we'll start with how you doing, man? You know <laughs> it's it's
1: the saying goes, There's always next year. Mm-hmm. And me and uh, being an Atlanta Braves fan, being a Georgia sports fan in general, you're used to that saying, I'm feeling hopeful, more so in the direction of the team. I really like the energy of the team. We have youth with um, mixed in with some veterans now. I've got to see Acuna mature, Freddie Freeman mature. It's really awesome knowing that if this group of players wins the world series. I think it will have to go down as one of the best Atlanta Braves teams of all time compared to even the 1995 team, Uh, because it's, I don't know, maybe because I'm more in tune to what's going on with Braves land than now, but I I am so hopeful for next season.
0: Yeah. And, And that's saying something. One of the best Atlanta Braves teams of all time. Cause even though it's only been the one world series there, Mm you still got some, just looking at the team's performance, especially over the course of a long season, I could just off the top of my head pull like the 96 squad that looked to me even better than 95. Mm -hmm. Uh, The 99 team that, again, made the World Series and then got crushed by one of the best Yankee teams of the past 50 years at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, The 2003 team the Cubs beat in the NLCS. Sorry to bring that up, but, you know... (laughs) When you don't have a lot of playoff wins in general, sometimes you gotta, but but that team was a hundred-game winner that year. That was like the Gary Sheffield Braves. So it's not like so saying they're one of the best Braves teams of any era, it's not just them and the one World Series team, it's them and a whole bunch that even though they didn't win at all, were still great. They
1: they and they really were. They were exciting to watch. For me, when it comes to baseball. I want to see a good game and I want to be entertained. I don't know why I can, but for some reason, I care about people saying baseball is not fun. It's boring because I know I like it. And so I want to prove people wrong. And like, and when I was on my Facebook feed during the playoffs, so many people who I didn't even think would like baseball were so in tuned. <laughs> and that's what we needed. We needed that season to like entertain, uh, we're a tough crowd in Atlanta. We're not like diehard die, die, die fans, but we will let you know if you suck or not. Mm-hmm. And so I really think we needed that team that team this year. And, and it's, gosh, I hope we can re- replicate that next season so much.
0: Yeah. And when you have a team that not too long ago where winning the division every year was just the assumption, I mean, you have every reason to be tough and to expect greatness, especially when they assemble another core that looks to be making another extended run like this. Exactly. Uh, so let me kind of dive deep into, I guess, what we talked about in terms of the the pain and and how it relates to the city with that uh, that this particular loss caused. And you mentioned like Atlanta sports right now; it's kind of a general thing. And, and with does that kind of exacerbate the Braves blowing a three one lead when it's not too far removed from like the infamous Falcons blown Super Bowl, and then like I guess University of Georgia also had a real bad. Uh, national championship cut run cut off recently so yes. is, is that kind of like a, a momentum from one team to the other almost even though it, it doesn't it make is. sense logically but
1: <laughs> no, no no but but if you're from if you're a Georgia fan it does make sense you know because we look at each regular season we do well in the regular season just to get your hopes up mm-hmm. and it's not Sometimes that we lose the game is how we lose the game. It's been close, close games. The, um, national championship with Alabama, we lost on the last play of the game. Mm. The uh, we're going to talk about the Cardinals, how they what ten runs in the first inning was it? Yep. I mean, come on, like the game, game five. <laughs> you're going to choose if you're going to choose one game to have ten runs put on you in the first inning. Don't let it be game five. Yeah. Um, Try not to <laughs> elimination <laughs> game. Yes. Yeah. The Atlanta Falcons twenty eight to three. I have to literally sit there and watch my team. Yeah. Think about it twenty eight points from to three points. You had to watch another team gain all these points, and you're just looking like, can you just score one point, one field goal, one mm-hmm. touchdown, something? And we, the Hawks, child, they ain't <laughs> been good for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like we, we we bring that to every single team, and we go, all right, all right, good season. Oh, we made the playoffs. Okay. Yep. There it is. That's how we lost. Yep. That's Atlanta sports for you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's that uh, you talk about watching the Patriots pile up the points and Atlanta seemingly unable to do anything in response. And I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's what I referred to earlier. Game six of the 2003, uh, the the infamous Bartman game, which really should have been the Alex Gonzalez game, but (laughs) nobody pays attention to that. But that's, that was sitting there watching that a sense of, look, just get the second out. They not even the third. Just get the second out of this inning before they score eight unanswered runs. And there and Mike Mike fucking Mordecai of all people <laughs> is the one that puts the dagger in their heart. So so yeah yeah I, I that is that is a feeling that I'm immensely familiar with. And then you're just kind of at, at least for me, and I, I assume that this is something that you felt too. That afterwards you're just kind of left with this sense of well, what do I do now? This was so exciting. This this I I was feeling it like everybody else, and now the heart's been ripped out and we just gotta gotta sit there and take it, right? Yeah.
1: You're like, what the fuck do I do next? Right? Because (laughs) like let's just say if you're from Boston or you're a fan of Boston sports, right? Okay, let's just say the Red Sox had a bad year. You can oh, okay. I can turn on the game on Sunday and see when when uh, Tom Brady was up there, the Patriots getting the number one, number two seed in the playoffs and going deep in the playoffs. Or you can get the Boston Bruins, you know, or this Boston Celtics. Like, you got a couple of teams up there that are really good. No, not not for me. Not for this one right here. I, when I see one of my teams lose, especially in the playoffs, okay, okay. The Atlanta Braves just lost. at. The, I think at that time we had – kind of lost to Dallas terribly as well Mm. where the Atlanta Falcons were winning all that game. Dallas came back and I was like this is some shit for your ass (laughs) right here. (laughs) 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 Like like I can't even look to another sport to get my hopes up. (sighs) And we had think we had lost to Alabama, Georgia University Georgia had lost to Alabama recently around that time. I was like, you know what? This this ain't the most Atlanta thing ever. I just don't even know what to do like should i give up a sport like i really was questioning mm-hmm. and, like is this for me it's like is my heart gonna take any more of this because it, it's, it's pathetic
0: yeah it's i'm I'm gonna reference a song that's only a decade old at this point so i'm getting closer to, to current day but uh <laughs> yeah you're pulling a cee Lo green here that's yeah if i was rich i could still be with you but ain't that yeah. some shit at this point.
1: Ain't that some shit? That, I like that song. Yeah.
0: If you give this podcast about two hours, I might actually drop a Troye Sivan reference, and then we'll be in current day. But it's going to take a while to get there.
1: Now that is a twink I can get behind. Oh
0: anyway, <laughs> every definition of it, yes. Okay,
1: did you uh, see the new video? Hold on. I know this a baseball. Ball. Did you see the new video with Casey Musgraves yet? Uh,
0: I I saw a premiere last night, but I I have not watched it. I'm, I was going to watch it this evening because I I need a moment to adjust to the mullet, like. <laughs> like yeah Australian Twink I'm 100% with right. Australian Twink who looks like Joe Dirt I, <laughs> yeah I got to work my way up to that a bit I think
1: yeah I agree it's 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 interesting look but shout out to Troy Savon
0: yeah but uh, <laughs> does does it work for you the new video
1: it, it i i haven't watched it yet so maybe we can have like a little watching party or something Ooh, like that nice. i don't know but um no it, he's I don't know. It is, it is so attractive to me. The bone is drawn on me again. Yeah. I don't know
0: why. It's not supposed to. <laughs> it, it helps if you have an adorable face to go along with it, I think. <laughs> That's
1: that, true. Uh, and bright, beautiful blue eyes. And you can actually yeah. carry your tune. That, yeah. That
0: <laughs> yeah. And oddly enough, the nose ring kind of works. I'm usually not into piercings at all, but mm-hmm. uh, every so often... A guy with a nose ring does it for me, and I think it, it maybe just, it's, it just tickles your fancy. Yeah, yeah maybe it's my repressed thirteen-year-old Catholic kid, uh, <laughs> kind of coming out to play finally. So, uh, but yeah, that's not why you called. I think to, yeah, to Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's there's no way to transition back to the Braves from that, is there? So. I know. Uh, yeah. Other than maybe mullets in the stands, is that is that a thing in Atlanta? You know, maybe
1: kind of- maybe the one. Wonder- one that's more a St.
0: Louis it. thing, I think, getting back to the Cardinals. So, yeah, let's oh, – let's. Yes. Uh, so where do you rank, like, last year's Braves collapse to the Dodgers in terms of – I'll give you examples of the Cardinals uh, series you mentioned with the 10 runs in game five. Uh, we'll go to Craig Kimbrell left in the bullpen against the Dodgers from I think it was 2013, mm-hmm. and then I will give you the 1996 World Series where it looked for all intents and purposes. It was over after two games – and then they went to Fulton County Stadium and didn't win another one.
1: Okay, so I'm going to say 1996. Now I'm going to take it 1995, just a little preface. I was, I don't, I don't remember how young I was. I don't feel like doing the math in my head. Right now. <laughs> All right. Sorry, listeners. Okay, but I remember my parents jumping up and down in the living room, and I legit thought we won the lottery. I was like, Mm. oh my gosh, we won the lottery, we won the lottery, because I wasn't really a baseball fan back then, and my dad took me to a couple of games, but I was like, oh my God, we're about to be rich, (laughs) until years later that I found out that, oh, okay, one, we weren't rich, and then two, (laughs) that was the greatest win in the World Series. So I really don't remember 1996 because uh, I don't have a story of telling you that my parents mm. were jumping up and down. So I'm going to have to rate that as pretty low on the totem pole as far as like, um, uh, gosh, games that hurt me and embarrassing and all that other BS. Mm. I would have to say the Craig Kimball series was more like a what the F, you know? It was just like, uh, okay, that w- I was really frustrated, but... I would have to say 1A, 1B for me would have to be, okay, 1A, 1B. I'm going to go with 1B, right? <laughs> Gosh. The World Series, because that's, I mean, not the World Series, but the uh, the game of Dodgers this past season, mm-hmm. where we were up 3-1, to one and... I never played baseball professionally, not even high school, any of that. But I'm thinking, you cannot tell me, you can't win one freaking game. Like one game, we're off to the World Series. I just, that was just mind boggling. And how, and the way we were winning too, those first three games, it was just like giving you so much hope. And I'm just like, here, here we go. This is the most Atlanta shit ever. <laughs> and my, my 1A has to be the 10-10 game. The 10-run t- inning. Mm. I mean, that was the game five. You can't get any more embarrassed. Yeah. It's one thing to lose a close game, but you get embarrassed. Mm. Nobody on this world likes to be embarrassed, right? Mm. And so you're like, all right, one run, two runs. We, we still got a chance, three runs, four home runs. Wait a minute now. I turned it off. I don't blame you. Yeah. I, yeah. What's the point of watching? Yeah. I, now, there was this a s- seasons, couple of seasons ago where we had a like a eight, nine run, ninth inning. And I was like, but not not this Braves team. Yeah, that that
0: doesn't team. happen in the postseason. <laughs> unless... No, it
1: doesn't, right? And if so, we will be talking about like one of the greatest comebacks ever. It will right. be widely known.
0: Right, unless Dusty leaves Mark Pryor in too long. But again, that's <laughs> that's a little anger coming out there from, from past years. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely get turning that off uh, because that's nine innings of, as we mentioned before, just taking it after, mm-hmm. you you know, at the end of the first inning, the series is over and that is yeah. i mean it's not the maybe the most gut-wrenching way to lose it but it, it's probably the most depressing yes. because then it's like what's the point of even playing it like if if you had slaughter rule you'd almost be like yeah let's just invoke it because what's what's the point right now even <laughs> yeah, yeah. in was, the last game of the year
1: yeah I was like can we just end this game please and right. but you know what i have another game for you sure the end Field fly rule.
0: Oh, God, yes. Against the Cardinals, too. My <laughs> yeah. God. So, yeah, I know the Cardinals have
1: been a thorn in our side. Now, maybe we do know another episode about this, but I really think the Dodgers and the Cardinals are becoming the Braves' like, newest rivalries. You know, mm-hmm. as far as like, I know the Phillies and Nats and all that, but those two teams, when it comes to postseason wise, have really had our number as of late. But I'm going to tell you a story, and everybody listening, gather around and tell a story, okay? <laughs> I worked for the Braves from 2010 to 2012, promotions team. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, uh, By the way, 2010, here I am. You see that, Ken? I'll post this. Oh, yeah, with with the pennant. That's great. With the pennant. There you go, my team. But 2012, I'm working the games section, the pitching game, and I'm trying to pay attention to my guests, but also watch the TVs, what's going on in the playoff game. All of a sudden – I hear, uh, uh, oh, oh, like everybody's getting excited, and then the ball dropped in the outfield, right? Uh huh. And and so I'm going, yes, okay, we got to run. Next thing you know, I hear everybody booing, mm-hmm. and it started getting louder and louder. I'm like, did somebody run on the field? Like, what happened? I go out there, Ken. I will. I don't think I will ever see anything so enticing and mesmerizing as people. Chucking beer bottle, hot dogs, everything on the stands. And I'm like, what just happened? I'm asking um, fans, like, "What, what happened? What happened? It's like, they called that out. He was out and they dropped the ball. Nobody dropped the ball. That should be a run. Anderson Simmons was safe. And I'm like, are we really about to blow this chance to come back and win this game on a stupid rule and because all because MLB decided to have a whole bunch of little extra umpires out there on the field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here we go. And that was the most heartbreaking in-person experience as being as a Braves fan, I'll say. Yeah. Um to to now add that to my list. That's the in-person most heartbreaking moment of my Braves fandom.
0: Yeah. It's fa- I I didn't know you were there and I feel awful that you were there for it. And it's fascinating to me hearing you describe that especially since you had to be away doing your job. So you just heard the yes. sound because, and I, I keep going back to game six of 2003, but only because I was there for it. So it stands mm-hmm. out so much in my mind. There have been a few other cub heartbreaks over the 108 <laughs> years before 2016, just to be perfectly clear. But mm-hmm. I bring this up again, because at the infamous play, the, the foul ball that landed in left field uh, where I was seated uh, in the box seats along the third base line, had incredible seats, but for that particular play, I didn't, couldn't see what happened because you turned your head to the left to watch. You saw the ball descend. You saw mm-hmm. Moises Salou go into the corner and disappear. And then from my perspective, all I, as the ball descended, all I heard was this giant scream of, oh, <laughs> all around me. Like just what you described in terms of mm-hmm. people realizing what had just happened when they called the infield fly roll in that one game playoff. And immediately afterwards, chanting, asshole asshole, asshole. Yes. And as that inning kind of kept getting worse and worse, you kept turning because you kept hearing boos and people yelling from that section. And he would turn mm-hmm. and see people throw in bottles of beer and and mm-hmm. pop in his direction. So again, kind of concentrated just on that one area, but it's the same kind of thing and the same yes. vibe. It's, yes. it's, it's almost eerie hearing you I- talk about it like that. <laughs> yes. And, and watch, I remember watching that game on TV, that, that one game playoff, And getting pissed off for you in that moment, Mm -hmm. uh, partly because it meant another break for the Cardinals, and it's the most fucking Cardinals way to win a one-game playoff, Um, (laughs) right after they had won in 2011, too, after that incredible comeback against the Rangers. So it just felt like, can one thing go against Cardinals Devil Magic once?
1: And can one thing go right for the Atlanta Braves?
0: Yeah, especially you know? in Chipper Jones's last game, too, of all things,
1: right? And I think that's why people were so upset. Like, I have never seen that many grown men cry before. It was that, just that mind-blowing and, and like, Every, nobody worked. When that happened, everybody went into the stadium from their posts. They could have probably robbed us blind. But, <laughs> but like, everybody just wanted to see what was going on. And I'm glad you brought up Chipper Jones because from you know I've really started being a baseball fan like from about 2010 on, on to today, but we have wasted some good talent. Mm-hmm. You know, like, getting Chipper Jones a second ring. Tim Hudson getting him a ring. Uh, Freddie Freeman is in his prime right now. Brian McCann didn't win a ring here.
0: You had Gary Sheffield
1: earlier. There we go. Bobby Cox getting him another ring. And it's just like, we had so, so many good... However, I will say this. We got beat by some teams that had exceptional talent, too. I mean, Tim Lincecum... Brian Wilson, 2010. Who was stopping that combo?
0: Yeah, there's a reason the Giants won three World Series in five years. Mm -hmm. Madison Bumgarner. For the the postseason, they were geared up. When you've got Lincecum, Matt Cain, and Madison Bumgarner, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's as good a big three as the classic Braves of Glav and Maddox Smoltz back in the day. And mm-hmm. then you go back to those 90s teams that came so close so many times. And that's running into, you know, the Jack Morris twins in game seven. And there's nothing you can do when Jack Morris is pitching, maybe the greatest game ever pitched. And then those Yankees teams at the end of the decade. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Braves were supposed to be the, the team of the 90s until the Yankees, unfortunately, built themselves a bit better. Joe <laughs> Biden. <Yep>. But, <laughs> uh, but there's no shame in losing to the Yankees because yeah. that was as good as prolonged stretch of any baseball team in like five years in both of our lifetimes. Yep. And really, if you go back to like, maybe even the big red machine is, is what you got to go back to in terms of maybe a better overall constructed team than those Yankees. So.
1: Exactly. And I want to say, do you think the Braves were, I guess, were we overachieving during those playoff runs from, from that time? Because down in Georgia and Atlanta, we had this saying where Liberty Media is cheap. They didn't want to, but they didn't want to afford to, the big time players here. And we were always think, "Wow, if we could get this far with these players overachieving, what would it be like if they just absolutely opened the purse one day and Here you girl. Here you go, girl. Go, go into the store, and get you some players.' Like, <laughs> <laughs> go, go, not come home for lights come out, but go, go, and get me some players now. Go, and get some good Got players, that's
0: not pretty girl, good." <laughs> <laughs> yourself a josh donaldson for more than one year how about that there we
1: go hello yeah even well that that decided to be a good move i guess yeah Yeah. hindsight hindsight but i was i wanted to resign him mm -hmm.
0: but it just
1: makes me wonder what would have happened if we just would have spent more money
0: yeah i i would say that in terms of overachieving especially for that lengthy 14 division title dynasty Mm -hmm. not in the first parts. in the, the part during the 90s for the most part, right up to about 99, 2000, 2001-ish. Like those were legit great teams year after year that just happened to run into another great team or mm-hmm. some bad luck or a team playing out of its mind in the playoffs. And that happens. Mm-hmm. Like those teams were all legit. From like maybe 2002 until the end of the run and like 2005 or six, maybe, I would Mm -hmm. say those are probably benefit of maybe playing in a division where no one wanted to grab it until the Phillies started being good. (laughs) Uh, So those teams probably overachieved a bit based on where they were playing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a complicated answer, but yes and no.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, gosh, you love the Phillies and Washington Nationals. It was just like it was just so heartbreaking having them come to your and so when I w- worked there, Atlanta's a transplant city, right? So seeing all these fans come to my job every single day and taking over our stadium, it, gosh, it was just so disheartening to see that. And we were finally good. And what do I do? I moved to the damn Bay Area.
0: <laughs> well, it gives you an opportunity to take over Giants Stadium when the Braves isn't, though, right? That
1: is true. That is true. You can find me in Section 318, 319, I should, <laughs> whenever they open it back up.
0: Yeah. Because uh, Braves fans travel a bit, it's it's not like when when they go on the road, you definitely hear you definitely hear racist chants when the Braves go on the road. I'll say that. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah.
1: Speaking of, you know what? I didn't. I never knew as a child that that was racist. I just thought there was something cool, mm-hmm. something Indian. Like I have memories of tomahawk chalks, biting them tom- tomahawk chalks with that red styrofoam. <laughs> it was just you know really good memories. So I'm kind of like, damn.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a classic American thing where I remember when it started, mm-hmm. the first year of their playoff run in like 91, I think, the first time they won the division and kind of came out of nowhere to do it too. Uh, so they started selling out the old Fulton County Stadium for the first time in that I could ever remember. And people just started doing it as kind of a this is our rally thing. And it caught on, it caught the national imagination. Like there were <laughs> Saturday Night Live sketches built around it. Mel Brooks worked a reference to it in Men, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Into Whoa. it. So it was looked at as kind of, ah, oh, this is a fun new thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And nobody ever thought, you know, there <laughs> might be some indigenous people that look at this and go, I'm not comfortable with 50,000 southern white people doing this. <laughs> it, it, exactly. It, we didn't ask back then. It, 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 that's yeah. kind of the way things worked in, in we the just night. wanted
1: them to be happy on their reservations and just be quiet.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, you want to go. <laughs> The the Braves have, if you want to dig into Braves history, do you know, does Chief Nakahoma mean anything to you? Yes, I
1: remember that.
0: Oh, God, I've only read about this, but (laughs) Chief Nakahoma, for those who have not heard of it, do do you want to explain or should I?
1: Go ahead and explain.
0: Uh, Back when the Braves first moved to Atlanta in the late 60s and early 70s, so the Henry Aaron Glory days, uh, there used to be, they stationed a teepee out beyond the outfield wall And anytime the Braves homered their celebration, their mascot named (laughs) sensitively enough, Chief Nakahoma would run out and do what they thought was an Indian war dance in celebration Mm -hmm. of the home run. So I just love like the the dichotomy there of Henry Aaron, one of baseball's greatest civil rights figures of all time, breaking Mm -hmm. Babe Ruth's record in the heart of the South and doing it with all of the dignity and all of the fortitude that you could ever want in a baseball hero. And every home run he hits up until like the record breaking one is greeted by the most racist <laughs> celebration yep. that a team could possibly conceive of.
1: And exactly. that, that
0: defines baseball for me right there, I guess.
1: Yep, <laughs> exactly. And it's just the marketing team tried Kudos to you, but you didn't do your research that well.
0: <laughs> well, they didn't care. I mean, it's Imagine what it was like in the seventies.
1: Exactly. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, wow, you're bringing up these memories. This is just, this is taking me back right here. The way
0: my brain works. Like I I can't remember my parents' anniversary, but chief Nakahoma is like just full of the service anytime. So
1: I wonder how he's doing nowadays.
0: God, hopefully long retired and yeah. That's, there we go yeah um, let's go back once more to this this round of playoffs and then i want to mm-hmm. kind of diverge into the future from there and i okay. want to ask you does it make it at least a little easier to take knowing that even though they blew a 3 run lead it was to what is conceded to be the best team in baseball at this point the la dodgers or is there a sense that because you had them on the ropes and because they had so many base running mistakes when they could have blown them or put them away there was a real sense of, ah, you just didn't know how to finish.
1: Yeah. And that answer right there, finish. It's a word that might as well not be in any damn dictionary in the state of Georgia. Because, like like I said, we get there, but we don't know how to finish. And I really believe that we could, we had several chances to win that game. And several games throughout the, the that series as well, we just couldn't get the runners. And what's that, what's that? Favorite saying on uh, announcers, oh, we left the bases, uh, runners stranded on second and third. That is the worst thing you can hear as a baseball fan, I think. It's just like, base runners left on second and third or just third period. And you look at the score and you're like, "Now nah, I know my ass can get out there and do something, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like the the Dodgers though, that this series, I will say they deserved it. When you spend that type of money, this is what you expect your team to do. Down three games, you'd expect them to don't blink. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of partial to it. I wish we had done better, but I understand why we lost.
0: So, yeah, the Dodgers, I mean, are just a player development machine at this point. They they also certainly are spending money, especially trading for the second best player in the game and then extending him until he's 42 or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's certainly Can I get a worked
1: dollar, out. Please? <laughs>
0: But uh, yeah, it, the Braves, I mean, honestly, when it comes to player development, n- nobody equals the Dodgers, but they're not that far behind given oh, yes. what they've turned out the past three or four years. And mm-hmm. so going forward from this, um, we, as we've discussed in this episode, they're, the Braves are top heavy in both their lineup and in the rotation. They've, they've got the top three or four spots in the order taken care of with as good as you can get in the game. you got Two or, and maybe even two or three really solid starting pitchers right now. So, given what we know about Liberty Media's proclivities for not spending during the offseason, if if they make you choose, do you want depth in your starting pitching or depth in the lineup?
1: Ooh, give me pitching. I think when you go back to that St. Louis game of 10, 10 innings, 10 runs in in that first inning and you go back to some of the other games this year, I think it's been pitching and I'm a big believer in baseball defense and pitching over hitting, you know, shut, shut them down, shut them down. I know it's not entertaining for the fans, but for me, I'll watch it and I'll just be quite content. Yeah. I, I, especially with the injuries to Soroka, we didn't see that coming. You know that we we could have used him. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what's been missing. We've had the hitters. I mean, how many times have I looked on a random game during the season and I said, oh, shit, we're winning, what, 15 to 2, you know?
0: <laughs> how much was, fun is it to watch Ronald Acuna Jr. every day?
1: Oh, my gosh. That man right there. I don't know. He, to me, and I'm about to make some people mad, <laughs> but he, to me, is what Jason Hayward should have been. mm. That player that just came in energy and, you know, really had prolonged success. I know Akumi is still kind of new in his career, but I mean, Jason fell off really hard and he was, I was rooting. We were rooting for you. I was all rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, uh, my Tara Banks impression. Tyra <laughs> Tyra, <laughs> don't
0: know, But, um, yeah, they could have sworn she was in the room.
1: <laughs> there we go. Let me hold on. Let me get my wig on. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: but, you know,
1: but no, uh, <laughs> no, but he is so fun to watch. And you put him together with Ozzy and gosh, the whole team. It was really a joy.
0: Yeah. What's interesting to me about them, especially, too, both Ozzy Albis and Acuna, is that not only are they two great young bats, but they're also their approach to hitting is much different than a lot of the rest of baseball, where because on-base percentage and walks are so ingrained uh, in so many players from a young age at this point, most of baseball at this point is the grind out at bats, see a bunch of pitches Mm. and wait for one good one. And both Acuna and (laughs) Albies are much more in toward the Vladimir Guerrero school almost of, uh, I see a good fastball. I'm jumping on it regardless of count. Like Acuna on the first pitch, Will destroy you if we leave one anywhere close to the zone. And I think you know, I I prefer the guys who are patient, uh, just because it's an approach that that mentally I I can get around. But given how so much of the game is that now, I really think it's exciting to have guys who are the exact opposite and who are just as damn good to watch. Yes. So that, that it's like aesthetically, I prefer like the Acuna and Albies, even though mentally I might get behind someone who's more of like an Anthony Rizzo type of hitter. So it's, it's oh, yeah. fascinating to me how, how good they are. And, it is. and I, I can't let a Jason Hayward reference go by either. Cause he's, <laughs> I, I am a Jason Hayward Stan. Uh, okay. And, and I know that he never lived up to the immense hype that he got. Um, But he had good years with Atlanta. Like you look he at did. the numbers overall and, and they are partly because his defense was so far above everybody else, but, he was a legit all-star, even though he might not have been named all-star teams. He was playing at all-star level for a number of those years. Yeah. And with the Cubs, it's been such an interesting, bizarre, and ultimately, for me, fulfilling experience. Because that first year in 2016, he was so lost. And mm. it just looked like such an albatross of a deal that you felt awful for him. Even though the team was winning practically every game. He was the one guy where it's just like he can't get going and
1: <laughs> can't get <it> right.
0: <laughs> and then there was the story after they won in game seven of him with the rain delay speech and realizing that even in his very worst year and the most nightmarish year you could have as a ball player, especially after signing the biggest deal in team history in the offseason, yeah. that he still had it in him to be the guy to step up and tell everybody that, look, we are the best goddamn team in baseball and we Mm -hmm. were about to show it. And everybody respected him enough to be like, yeah, fuck yeah, Jay. Hey, let's do it. And then as time has gone on, it's been a gradual process, but he's kind of found what made him good in the first place. Again, as a hitter, like this past year, he was one of like two Cubs players in the lineup where you actually wanted to see him at the plate because his contact skill is back. Mm -hmm. And I just think that even though he's never going to live up to that deal that he signed he has so much, again, I'm going to use the word fortitude, and just so much confidence in himself to be able to endure a lengthy, protracted baseball nightmare. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, still make you realize this guy is valuable. This guy still has skills. I, I think it's it's one of the best Cub stories of the past three or four years.
1: Yeah, And I think I gave him so much shit. Because he was a hometown hero type of guy, you know? So we were like, oh, okay. And he's African American. Mm -hmm. He's gonna bring in the African American fans to the uh, for Atlanta Braves fans. And I was just like, Yes, this is what we need. Mm -hmm. And he got he 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 went to the Cubs and I'm happy for him. He got a ring, Mm -hmm. you know. So I I really like that for him. So I because he man, he took a lot of criticism when he first, that first year, like you said, 2016, I was like,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And it was, I mean, based on his performance, there was nothing he could do to answer it. So it was, yeah. it was as helpless a feeling as, as, a ball player can have, but yeah, as I say that he's just kind of over time, he's kind of put in the work to kind of find himself again. And, and in circumstances that could be that adverse, I, I find that incredibly admirable. And I'm I'm kind of glad you brought up uh, what he represented as a great black prospect in a city like Atlanta too, because this kind of goes into the last thing I wanted to talk to you about because uh, I've been to Turner field uh, two games back in 2006. I went on a baseball road trip down there. And what struck me about that, uh, especially you know, growing up in the suburbs of Chicago and going to Wrigley Field, which is a pretty goddamn lily-white frat boy experience in a lot of, in a lot of ways. <laughs>
1: really? Uh, I have to check it out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a, a great ballpark, but Chicago is a very segregated city, and mm-hmm. a lot of the black population is on the south side, so most black people in Chicago are White Sox fans. Uh, okay. That's, that's kind of how the city works. Uh, it's not good, <laughs> I should add. <laughs> not a good way for the city to work at all, but that's, that's how things <laughs> have kind of played nice. out. But going to Turner Field one of the things I noticed is that it really felt like this is as many Black people as I've seen at any baseball game that I've ever been to, maybe with the exception of like the old Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And it was heartening to me to see that, to see the Black community turn out for baseball like that, because I know it's a sport that's really struggled uh, to make inroads in the community, especially over the past 20 or 30 years. And so with the Braves over the past couple of years moving their home base from Turner Field out into the suburbs of Cobb County. How do black sports fans in Atlanta feel? Do they feel abandoned or do they feel like this is still a team that they can follow?
1: You know, and I'm, I'm going to give a exclusive insight to that. Most of the employees are um, African-American. When at Turner Field, when I was there, the ushers, the concession stands, all and most of them will, all from around that area too. So not only did we feel like they lost the team a little bit by moving to Cobb, but we were kind of upset that we're going to lose out on these jobs. Hmm. Because now it's like, are we really going to take Marta all the way out there to Cobb or hitchhike, not hitchhike, but um, (laughs) carpool, carpool out there? But if the game goes to, what, 11, 12 innings or late at night, and with Atlanta traffic in general, it's like, are we really going to risk that? Mm-hmm. And so, I know a lot of African Americans were not happy that we were leaving that area. Now, I will say, my alma mater, Georgia State, is in that stadium now, and so I really don't know if you know people have resonated to that team. You know, the employees, did they hire some of the same employees? But for sure, definitely, their own people within the own Braves, you know, employee system, we were upset. You know, yeah, and, and
0: really, that's that's one thing that's in all the discussion about this ridiculous new stadium replacing a ballpark that was less than two decades old to begin with. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that didn't get brought up a lot to me. And and I'm glad you did bring that up, because, yeah, in, in terms of that, that's really leaving behind a community that's, you know, I'm sure relies on jobs like that to pay a good part of their rent. Right.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to keep it 100 percent real with you right now, Ken. When they announced that the ballpark was new, ballpark was gonna be in Cobb County, we said, "Now this is some racist shit right here." Yeah, because they they knew that. Uh, now, don't get me wrong; the surrounding areas just a little, kind of get up a little bit, you know. However, we just kind of felt like, "Oh, they want to cater to a certain type of crowd, certain yeah. type of crowd." Okay, and what? How does that leave? Where does that leave? A lot of people from The east of Atlanta, you know, and and, uh, south of Atlanta, just making it so much harder for us. And I know there were, especially when I was working there, there were complaints about people not feeling safe parking their cars in the area. And they made up some excuse about why they wanted to move to Cobb, but we felt it was racially motivated. And, you know, I'm still a fan. However, I'm still looking (laughs) side-eye. I'm still (laughs) looking a little bit side-eye, like, okay,
0: girl. <laughs>
1: I, I i like you but I, I, i'm i'm gonna have my piece on me just in case in my purse but <laughs> it's
0: the show this you were making the face of the the gif of prince shaking his head <laughs> side to side slowly right? mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and that that's i mean that's such a goddamn 2020 baseball thing where they've spent so much of this year you know having players take the field in black lives matter shirts and trying to elevate every uh every voice from the players alliance like Dexter Fowler or CC Sabathia or Jason Hayward again. Uh, but. To the know, entertainment,
1: Ken, we have drum lines, you know, fully black drum lines. Uh, we got all this entertainment that is uh, centered around pulling African American, uh, clientele and, but then they moved to Cobb.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not just, you know, your, your clothing or your, your Instagram posts. It's also, what are your actions? And the actions Mm -hmm. that the Braves are showing us, which, again, is a very MLB thing in 2020 to do, is that when given the opportunity, they're going to run toward money and they're going to run away from any Black fan base that they might have. Mm -hmm. And this is, I mean, this is why. The league wonders why they've struggled to to build a Black fan base over three decades and why there are so few Black players in the game today. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's because, I mean stop stop sending messages like that would be a good first step i think
1: oh yeah because we we know we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about about you and you know and within our community and say brave man they ain't no good and it's <laughs> just like it is not talking not even talking about the product it's just about their perception of the team in the african american community and i remember my great grandmother may she rest in peace the Braves. She she lived in Montgomery, Alabama, but her favorite team was the Atlanta Braves, and we would go all the time to that to that um the, to the games. And my grandmother, who's still alive, she she I don't really watch them. They ain't, that, they ain't that good. And she, she <laughs> I said, "Why, well, Grandma? They ain't got my favorite players no more." Mm-hmm. And she was talking about some of the African American uh, t- uh players, you know, David Justice and all those Hank Aaron, everybody. So it's I hate that because yeah. they lost a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and it's it's really it's crushes the future of the sport too because who knows how many incredible athletic talents there are among a black fan base that that you should be building up that are now going to be looking toward basketball and football. That that it's it the game loses out in the long term. Yep. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I don't want to end on a downer, so let's uh yeah,
1: let's let's, let's, let's do an upper.
0: Yeah. Uh <laughs> I, I, I like the image of, of Brave's employees hitchhiking to Cobb just because I want somebody <laughs> wearing the blooper costume to be thumbing a ride on the side of I-95 down there.
1: Oh, well, here's what I'll do. I'll give the listeners my favorite moment in Turner Field. How about that?
0: Sounds good. Um,
1: so I... Oh, dang, but this is kind of sad, too. That,
0: oh, <laughs> oh, <shit. Sweet. laughs> okay. For this podcast, though.
1: Yeah, anyway, all right. So I... The Muscular Dyst- Dystrophy Association. I was diagnosed with a neurological disease a couple of years back. And one of my favorite moments was being called upon to be a team captain to go on the field and represent the Muscle, Muscle Dystrophy Association. And just being out there, uh, just seeing all the players up close in person. You know, I did a little bit of that as an um, employee, but actually, real in game type of situation that was really really awesome and it was for an excellent cause and it was one of my most memorable moments at Turnerfield and Turnerfield will always have a special place in my heart because I my great grandmother going to those games me working there as an employee and just being an Atlanta Braves fan in general so that that's was, awesome and my alma mater is there too now so at State nice. University so yeah. yeah I love it
0: yeah it's not gone and the memories are still there and yeah there's there no more Exciting moment as a baseball fan, if you get to walk in that field, just to kind of look around at the stands and just kind of feel that for a moment, what the players have to, is their daily life every day. Like that, that is an energizing thing. There's, there's a lot of almost adrenaline in that for me, the couple times I've been able to walk on Wrigley Field. Uh, even with yeah. empty stands, you look around and go, "This just is so cool.
1: It's so cool. Yeah. And, oh, also Freddie Freeman seeing him plastered. Oh gosh for a game one day after at a series concert. you know how the ballparks do concerts, uh-huh And like so he came back out there so drunk. it was oh. it was absolutely it was amazing
0: that's oh. <laughs> 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 uh. And he survived that, survived COVID, and is now the MVP. So that's... There we go. Yeah, that's an upbeat end. I think <laughs> let's go with that. Uh, D-Gill, do you have anything to plug? Well, I still got you here.
1: Okay, everybody, check out my podcast, The Game Day T, all one word, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, interact with me. Uh, I, I love doing this. I'm so glad to be part of the OutSports Podcast family. And yeah, check me out.
0: Yeah, it really comes through every episode, how much you like doing it. And it's, it you Have some of the best discussions on our entire network every week. And it's a real honey, man.
1: You're gonna make me cry, Ken.
0: Oh, oh, gonna make you cry like (laughs) your parents telling you that nope, we didn't win the lottery, we're not rich, but Greg Maddox is rich.
1: Exactly. (laughs) God, I was so bummed about
0: that. And you know what though? I feel rich after talking to you for the past forty-five minutes. So it's been a pleasure, man. No problem. Thank you for having me.